Hi, I'm Allison Hess. And I'm Marta McDonald. Welcome to the Thousand Islands Playhouse Podcast. Dive in with us as we talk to the artists of the 2023 season and get a behind-the-scenes peek at the seven fantastic shows happening this summer. Don't forget to tune in to give your ears a front-row seat. See you you at the theater. Welcome back to the 2023 season of the Playhouse Podcast. We're recording today on the ancestral land of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabek peoples. We're in the My FM studio, which looks out on the St. Lawrence River, surrounded by the beautiful Thousand Islands. My name is Marta McDonald. And I'm Allison Hess. Thank you for joining us today as we dive into the second Fire Hall show this season, Sexual Misconduct of the Middle Classes. A star professor racked with self-loathing during the dissolution of his third marriage catches himself admiring a student, a girl in a red coat. Turns out the 19-year-old Annie is a huge fan of his work. This gripping new play turns the archetypal student-teacher romance on its head. Sexual Misconduct of the Middle Classes is by Canadian playwright Hannah Moscovich, and it was first produced at Tarragon Theatre in 2020 and won the Governor General's Literary Award for Drama in 2021. We're happy to have both of the performers of Sexual Misconduct of the Middle Classes here with us in studio today. Welcome to Romy Schrader and Jonas Chernick. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. So um, we always like to start off with just... uh, kind of regaling our audience a bit about uh, things that you've done in the past. Uh, This is both of your first show here at the Playhouse, so welcome. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Uh, And I'll kind of dive in to Jonas first. So you play John. Um, You've done theater uh, all over the country and also a lot of film and TV credits, which I think is very interesting and I may want to dive into, uh, some of which you've produced yourself, um, including movies like Ashgrove, James vs. His Future Self, and My Awkward Sexual Adventure. Yes, I only like to do projects that have the word sex in them. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, if that's the way that it just works for you, then you go with it, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, and for Romy, so again, also your debut mm-hmm. at the Playhouse. Uh, you were in The Covenant uh, that Theatre West End did at the Siegel Center last fall, right? Uh, mm-hmm. As well as lots of stuff at the National Theatre School. And I think what some of our audience or maybe some of their grandchildren would know of TV <laughs> in Georgia on Netflix, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's very awesome. Well, thank you both. Um, so we're going to dive in. Uh, you know, we talked about how both of you have done work both on stage and on screen. Uh, and I wanted to kind of dive in a bit more about that, get to know you guys. So, Romy, you graduated from NTS in the middle of the pandemic. That must have been fun. It was so fun. It was really <laughs> great. Lots of work everywhere. Yeah. And like not only, you know, you went to school, which for a performing arts de- you know, degree is not easy when you are in a pandemic. But then coming yeah. out into the world and, as you said, the the shows are just... So did you do school online? We didn't. We did um, the last month of our second year on Zoom, and then we were able to find a way to go back into the room and wear these really crazy, intense face masks and social distance and do all of our classes and all of our productions. Yeah, because I feel like, especially with NTS, which was the National Theatre School in Montreal, it, it would be really hard to get so get such an intensive program yeah on zoom there's a lot of rolling on the floor it doesn't really work in yeah. your living room yeah. i contact improv i love that because i think some of the other schools like i think randolph as well as like the st lawrence college they all were like online 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 yeah. so that's actually quite lucky we were so lucky it yeah. was really lovely that's amazing and um what was it like coming out of school going right into something like Ginny and georgia kind of 
first thing and then pivoting out of working in film and coming back to the stage what's that like it was great i actually filmed the first season of Ginny and georgia when i was in my uh in between my first and second year of school and so it was nice to know that i would have mm. something to go to coming out of school um but it was so lovely to like get back to that and work with everyone and then Coming back to theater, um, The Covenant was my first, like, real big girl play, and it was so <laughs> exciting. I got to work on it with um, Jonathan Silver, who was in yeah, your yeah. last Firehall production. He was in Intimate yeah, Apparel. Mr. Marks, for anyone who saw Intimate Apparel. <laughs> and um, it was so exciting. It, I think because of the pandemic and because no one really got to come see our graduating shows, it was um, really nice to be able to perform in a live space yeah. with people. Probably a little overwhelming because I feel like they kind of prepare you for that and you didn't really have that chance. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so Jonas, uh, you have a Toronto-based film production company. I do, Banana yes. Banana Moon Sky Films, little yes. plug there. Thank you. Um, tell us a bit about the name. Oh, Banana Moon Sky. Uh, I had to come up with a name for the company and then my, my oldest daughter, uh, Izzy, uh, at the time was just starting to put words together into little phrases and she stepped out we stepped outside one night and she pointed up at the crescent moon and she went daddy banana moon guy oh that's very yeah cute. I'm trying to do her cute voice is it did it sound it's, cute yeah it's no, uh, definitely translating nodding. yeah for so sure. and then I looked I was like well that's that. I looked at my wife and we just went yep that's, that's the name that's very sweet I love that um, okay so you produce films what yeah, does that mean in Canada well <laughs> I, I don't identify as producer. <laughs> I identify as an actor who got really tired of waiting for my agent mm -hmm. to call me mm -hmm. and waiting for other people to decide my fate. Yeah. So I started to write scripts in my off time between gigs. And then I quickly realized that there's no one in the world that would be more motivated to get that film made than me because I wrote it and I'm gonna, I wrote myself a juicy part in it. <laughs> so producing was kind of like... Um, a means to an end, like it was. Mm -hmm. the, it was a necessary yeah. evil, and I say evil because producing movies, I think, is one of the worst, right. thank, most thankless jobs. I don't <laughs> like it, um, but you know, I figured out kind of how to do it through trial and error, and so I was able to string together a few. And and all the and I've only produced films that I wrote, often with a collaborator, mm -hmm. and that I ha and that I play a, a role in. Yeah. Um, interest. And I would never produce anything that I didn't do those things on. <laughs> right, for sure. Yeah, well, and we've we've spoken before. We've never actually met, but we spoke before because when I was at the Kingston Film Festival, that's right. You had a film at the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. Oh, nice. A little shout out to the local area if we have any listeners that go to that. Yeah, it's a great festival. I've had most of, maybe all my films yeah. have screened there, yeah. so and I've been out as a guest a bunch of times. So, awesome. yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so. I know that we've sort of talked about this before, but how long have you two been involved with the process of putting this production of sexual misconduct on? And we <laughs> talked a bit about there was a reading over Zoom that happened, was it 2021, 2022? Right at the beginning of 2022. Um, what was it? Well, like, how, how, what, 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 what happened? How, how? did that happen? <laughs> Tell us about it. It's a, kind of a fun story. <laughs> I saw the... Um, the world premiere of this play at Tarragon, right. I think, in, in 2020. 2020. Yeah, January 2020, I yeah, think. Yeah, right. right. It was the last show I saw before the pandemic. Yeah. And um, 
I thought it was the greatest show ever, and um, Jonas and I were like old family friends, and I immediately thought that it would be great for him to do, but I also wanted to do it, so I sort of sat on it for a while, and then when the time was right, we brought it to um, this lovely man named Ari Weinberg, who Mm -hmm. ran the Winnipeg Jewish Theater at the Mm -hmm. time, and he scheduled this Zoom reading for us, uh, and he brought Krista Jackson, our director, into the team, and Hannah, the playwright, was there, and it was sort of this, like, magical... Lovely. That's the word people keep using. Moment. To be honest, it was yeah. really cool. It was like uh, such a scary COVIDy time, and everyone was locked in their houses, and it was sort of like a reminder that theater still exists, and yeah. it's great, that and it's amazing. Um, it was so exciting, and then we were trying to figure out how to uh, bring it to life and put it up on its feet, and well, and then Krista brought it here mm-hmm. to Brett yeah. and said yeah. we should do it here. Yeah, so Krista Jackson, um, for our audience, directed uh, Sexy Laundry and Perfect Wedding. Yeah, previously. Mm-hmm. She's sort of like my fairy godmother. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. She just sprinkled and it magically happened. I mean, she's kind of what it felt she's, like. She's, yeah. pretty, she's pretty great, that's for sure. Well, that's really lovely to know that you knew each other. I didn't realize that. That's very cool. Well, it was also, it was interesting because... Obviously, there is a, an age difference between Romeo and I, yeah. similar to the characters in the in the uh, play, and there was a, there's a bit of a mentor mentee kind of mm-hmm. vibe with yeah. Romeo and I over the years, Absolutely. and so you know that's sort of the dynamic in the play, and so it was, there was a lot of interesting things there for us to kind of explore and yeah. look at and. Well, and I feel like for those who are coming to see the show or have read anything about it, like there is. Um, there would be a lot of safety that would be necessary involved in the relationship between the two actors. So I think to have that relationship already and to feel comfortable with each other already is probably really valuable to the, to the work in the show. Huge, huge, hugely. Uh, I don't think I've ever had that experience before of getting into something that is extremely intimate and very personal and it Mm -hmm. feel, and the, the play is very raw and you often have just, you have to spend the first couple of weeks breaking down barriers but Romy and I we just like we're best chums and we're like we we trust each other and mm-hmm. we'd already had all the conversations about you know how we were going to approach it and yeah. how we so it was it was great it was like a streamline and and I think that's a little bit of what you said the word magical yeah. that that in that first reading we, we got a lot of positive feedback from Krista and from Hannah yeah. and and I think that has a lot to do with it was that there was already a deep sort of trust and, and a playfulness between us that kind of you know, led the way. Totally, it must have been great. Like, what was it like having uh, Hannah mm-hmm. in the room, like in the? Well, in the I mean, <laughs> nerve wracking <laughs> a little. In the Zoom room. In the Zoom Probably room. Probably different for both of us. But yeah, yeah. Romy is like is like nerve-wracking. super mega Hannah fan fangirl. Well, yes, you just said it was like the best thing you've ever seen when you saw it at Tarragon. So it's it must true. have been a little nerve wracking for you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, she sort of very generously has taken me under her wing and is also sort of a mentor to me and so it was this was the first time that she'd ever seen me actually act yeah wow and so it was it was very cool Amazing. i was very excited to have yeah her. no kidding and i'm a huge fan of hers as well i yeah. actually acted in a couple of things that she worked on in her early days before yeah. kind of before she was like a cbc radio drama that mm-hmm. she wrote on called afghanada yeah. and then there was a tv series called played on ctv that i yeah. that i did a guest cool. star on and so yeah. i heard of it too amazing that's 
That's awesome. And to kind of, you know, talk about the existing relationship relationship that you have, um, I know when we talked uh, about intimate apparel, we talked about the use of an intimacy choreographer. So you have an intimacy and fight director, Mm -hmm. uh, Anita Natoli. And I'm really interested in, in hearing a bit about, because... So intimacy takes many forms, but specifically with this play, there is that power imbalance and that age difference that adds a whole other layer Mm -hmm. to those intimate kind of scenes. So can you tell us a bit about, you know, how do you put, how does you, how do you and Anita put that in together when you are creating those intimate moments on stage? Yeah, I think, how do you even start? I think it would be interesting for the audience to know sort of how you approach that. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, like Jonah said before, it definitely helps that we are very comfortable around each other. I don't mm-hmm. think I there's like anyone else that I would feel mm-hmm. as good about doing this show with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really great to have Anita on board because she came in with so many ideas and our whole team and our whole crew that was in the room, are, they're all so generous and lovely and it just felt really easy to try things and make mistakes and it... it was a, the first day we worked with her was a really fun day. Mm-hmm. Everyone was cracking jokes and <laughs> yeah. laughing. And yeah. I know for me, I have a lot of um, more vulnerable moments yeah. in those sequences. And uh, I haven't once throughout this whole process had a moment of feeling self-conscious or... or Mm-hmm. Standing worried, outside of myself, yeah, yeah, worrying. Yeah. Up until very recently, like very recently, this job didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right. So actors, it was like the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Like for me, for years, every time I had to do a scene with nudity or sexuality or kissing or anything, mm-hmm. simulated you know, intercourse, like all that stuff, the actors were kind of left to figure that out on their yeah. own and the director, and it was really awkward and uncomfortable. And it's kind of crazy that that was never um, a part of our industry. Mm-hmm. And so this has been a massive leap forward for actor safety, but also for the integrity of the work. Because the intimacy coordinator is there to make sure the actors are comfortable and understand their boundaries and they're there as a protective measure. But also, especially Anita, she came in with so many amazing ideas Mm -hmm. about, well, you could do this, or we could do it this way, you could do it that way, and offers and suggestions. So ultimately, I think the scenes of intimacy in the play are, are... infinitely better because of her involvement. Well, it's like she was, it's as if she was a choreographer, but instead of dance, she's choosing intimate interactions. Like you could touch this person here at this point or or at this point because that movement is always the same when you do the show. Like there's never Mm -hmm. any adjustments made to how you will touch each other. It's choreography just as it would Mm. be for anything else. Absolutely. And she came in with sort of a floor and a ceiling for each scene of how modest or not it could have been yeah and i'm sure krista the director also would sort of say like ideally this is what i want if we're both comfortable with that absolutely amazing very collaborative process that would be a really interesting really Mm -hmm. interesting process to be Mm -hmm. part of very Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. um so the play is narrated from the perspective of john uh in direct address to the audience so uh jonas in a practical sense how do you rehearse that without an audience in the room oh um 
Well, it's Just, like talk to the wall. <laughs> well, that's or a, it's actually a really good good question because I've actually done a couple of different things where I did direct. I've done a, I did a stage play a few years ago in Toronto called My Name Is Asher Lev mm-hmm. with Studio 180 and the Harold Green Jewish Theater, and it was direct address. And leading up to it, you're rehearsing it, and you're just kind of staring at empty chairs or walls, and then all of a sudden, right before you're going up, there are people there, and it's a very different energy exchange between yeah. an actor and an actual person. Yeah. Um, and it threw me back then, and so for this one, I've sort of... I'm, I'm making a concerted effort in rehearsal to make as much eye contact as I can with our stage manager and with our director and with Romy when she's not in the scene. Um, and I've and I've I've asked if we can try to like get some people in the yes, house. I know we've done that before. We did it last uh, last year or the year before mm-hmm. for Every Brilliant Thing with Lisa Horner because she last was doing oh, last year. She was doing all one man band like she was doing the whole show and it yeah. was only to the audience. So it was like if there was nobody in the room. Yeah, she you was just gets get a bit tired. You want a little yeah. bit of a run up to it if you can, like totally. a little bit of practice looking at yeah, people definitely. and interacting. Yeah, I'm a great audience member, but I think it gets <laughs> a little boring after nope, a while. Never, never. You're <gasps> constantly engaging. That's the, that's the beauty, though, of live theater, right? Because even when the audience does arrive and you have those people to play off, it's going to be a completely different totally. every single show. Yep. So mm-hmm. that'll be really fun. Um, and so. For you, again, Jonas, I, I am coming to you, Romy. Don't worry. But, like, a lot of John's thoughts are just, like, right out there to the audience. Yeah. So when you're um, working with a character like that and he's kind of giving you so much, how do you, you know, kind of evaluate text versus subtext and create your own version of this character compared to, say, the one that was at Tarragon in 2020? Because I feel like there's so much there. But I think sometimes the important things are the ones that aren't there, the subtext. The Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's really what the rehearsal process is all about. It's about exploring and like digging in and investigating. And and I uh, the, one of the things that's so brilliant about Hannah's play and, and her writing is that there are an infinite number of ways that this production could be done as mm-hmm. far as mm-hmm. how aggressive is John versus how unconscious is he of his aggressions versus... You know, they're, they're, in any given scene, we've tried, we've been playing with this in rehearsal. It can be, it can be more predatory, or go the other way with it, and it all kind of works. So it's really about finding the right tone to tell the story, which is what we're all trying to do. Is we're all trying to just tell the story as sort of honestly and effectively as we can. Yeah, I found it interesting looking at the script because there's two pages at the back with Hannah's information about yeah. how to not misinterpret the story <laughs> and to how to how to be sure that like these are the specific intentions even if they're not written in the dialogue exactly and this is um, some clarification about character intentions and motivations and those kinds of things which is so interesting to me I also uh, just listened to the Play Me version on CBC and there's music behind the entire thing mm-hmm. which I think I'm really fascinated, really excited to see this version because I think that that will change the emotional impact of how I watch it because they basically were leading me to how I was meant to feel with the music, which, I mean, obviously was Mm -hmm. accurate. Like, they did a really good job scoring it, but it's like, it was almost more like a movie. Like, it was like you were hearing it and you were hearing the music and you were like, this feels so intense because of the music that's behind it. Mm, Um, And I think it'll make a huge difference when I'm watching your faces instead of the music. That is interesting because, again, what else? the reason why I think this play is so great is that Different people in the audience, they're all going to watch the same scene or the same sequence, and they're going to have very different takes on it based on their own relationship mm-hmm. to power, to sex, to you know the age difference. And that's what's so 
exciting about this piece of theater is yeah, it, it demands to be discussed afterwards, and yeah. I think there there'll be some heated conversations. We've even had conversations in the office. I mean, we all have like a the same perspective on like <laughs> on like the Me Too movement and all those kinds of things. But even just like like you're saying, the approach from which we come at it mm-hmm. and how we see the two characters. And how our own experiences influence Influence even just their motivation or what we think they're thinking. And, like, yeah, it's been really interesting. Even just the tiny group of us in the office, I can't wait for the whole audience to figure it out. It's interesting. Our our, uh, lovely composer, Sarah Sarah Jarvie Clark, on our first day of rehearsal, after we read the play together, she'd said that um, hearing it out loud totally shifted her her view of the play because she had a lot of um, feelings of, like, internalized misogyny or just like wanting him to be a good right guy, guy. Yeah. interesting I never wanting felt to that. be on his side <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited um, so to pivot to you Romy like the opposite question for Jonas because <laughs> unlike John the character of Annie doesn't really have any long monologues exposing mm-hmm. her inner thoughts and desires and so how does that affect how you interpret your your Annie and that's a good question. It's interesting. You know, like the opposite challenge of Jonas, right? Where he is so much and he has to find the silences and find the subtext. And yours is a lot of subtext. Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, like, I think this is a, a story. I mean, there's so many things going on in this play, but a big part of it is the male gaze and, like, the way in which John perceives Annie influences mm. the way that mm-hmm. the audience will perceive mm-hmm. Annie. But I think... I think um, I, I relate to this play a lot, and I, I felt so seen watching it at Tarragon for the first time, and it it's never felt difficult for me to to find yeah. Annie. Right. Like I feel like all the words in this play fit perfectly in my right. mouth. I think, yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, I, I think that yeah. I think that you're. You're portraying her, I, I, I'm assuming, because you just <laughs> said that you connect with her. You're portraying her in, a, like, the most earnest way. Like, you're not, you're not portraying what you imagine the male gaze to be. You're, I'm assuming you portray her earnestly, mm-hmm. and then the audience will put that male gaze on top of it because it's, like, John that's looking at her, yeah. and so is the audience. Exactly. Right? So it's like, you're just going to be whoever Annie is, but then someone will see her a certain way. Or not. Or not. Yeah, we, we'll see. Um, I think, like, I think audience members will probably see themselves reflected through both characters, totally. and there's a lot to think about yeah. and contend with there. Because, and the like, characters that are, like, referenced and not in the show as well, I for anyone around them. Like, yeah. it's not a super clear-cut, he's an awful guy, and she's an innocent little ingenue mm-hmm. kind of story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The nuance is what makes it interesting also, too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to go in knowing everything you know when you come out. Hopefully. Nice. Otherwise, why are we going yeah, to the my, theater? My, exactly. my office mates definitely got a show as I was listening to the podcast in the office yesterday because <laughs> I, was, I kept having audible reactions. So I do hope that the audience... Not too distracting, but maybe has like the occasional gasp. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I think <laughs> I'm pretty so sure fun. they will. I'm pretty sure there'll be <laughs> yeah. a couple gasps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that that is a intriguing way to entice the audience into the room. You, when will you gasp? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what we like to do, kind of at the end of every one of our podcasts, is um, also like just how has Gan been, and if there are any places. Uh, that you've enjoyed going to, whether it's the river or the parks mm-hmm. or any of our restaurants or shops in town that you've been able to check out while you've been here? 
Yeah, we went to, we really love Laverne's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our we got great brunch. brunch. We went for brunch. Yes. Yeah. Today. Huevos Rancheros. Nice. Thumbs up. Um, so tasty. So good. You heard it here. You come to a matinee, go to Laverne's for brunch first. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. And our first night here, we were hungry when we drove in, and right next to where we're staying is Riva's, mm-hmm. which is gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And we had, so that was our like fancy schmancy Amazing. meal. It was Love so it. great. Yes. Yeah. Good great way to restaurant. start. Good way to start uh, for sure. Yeah. Our time here. I think Reva actually has a special pre-show prefix Yeah, meal. they have a prefix no meal way. before the show. So yeah. people That's will so go cool. and they can get like a prefix That's meal. Nice. For, and it'll, they'll have it done by the time the show, they need to go to the show. I don't think we'll have time to go to that meal. No, no you will not. It'll definitely bleed <laughs> into your half hour. But, um, <laughs> But you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, oh, thank you. I'm oh, sorry. Please. One more thing, oh, Marta. Please, please, we please. also uh, we went to the casino. Uh-huh, and excellent. I, and I, I taught casino. I taught Romy how to play blackjack. Incredible. And she did great. I won fifteen dollars <gasps> and ten cents. Wow. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I Don't am, spend it all in one place. I always bring Definitely a at Riva. I take I bring a twenty and then I lose it all. In like the five cents. Slots. That's what I did. I lost mine very quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Blackjack player over here. I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, oh. the two of you. Thank Thanks you. For having so us. fun. Yes. Um, as always, we want to express our special thanks to Mark Hunt for composing the Playhouse podcast music. This podcast is sponsored and produced by MyFM Gananakwe. Many thanks to Carrie and the MyFM team for all their help. For more ticket information, please visit us at thousandislandsplayhouse.com. See you at the theater! theater.